Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hey, welcome to Page Break. I'm your host, Brian McClellan, coming to you on a pleasantly breezy day in the mountains of Utah. Today's guest is author Brent Weeks. Brent is known for the Night Angel trilogy and the Lightbringer series, two acclaimed and best-selling epic fantasies. On a more personal note, Brent was also the very first author to offer a blurb for my debut book, Promise of Blood. Brent and I dig pretty deep into the world of an epic fantasy writer. We talk about the bloat experienced by most long series, how writing dark scenes can affect mental health, what Brent is up to next, and how to choose what to remove and what to leave in a story. Enjoy my conversation with Brent Weeks. I assume you're working on the next book. Yes, uh, always, always. Um, guys like us, it's it's just what you do, right? Like, um, so I've I've been a little cagey about this, which which will probably make me like a terrible guest for you. So I, I finished the Lightbringer series, which was you know, supposed to be a quick, oh, I'm, I'm a professional writer. I'll just do, you know, these three books in three years. And because um, because I'm fast now, because I'm a I'm a pro uh, after, after the first three Lightbringer books, because um, I had I had uh, I had these other I had places where the story, the Night Angel story, where I wanted to take the world and some of the characters. And so I thought I'll just quickly do something really different. So I don't, you know, spend my whole career writing ninja books. So, so my, my quick something different uh, that I'd do in three years turned out to take 12 years and uh, five books and million and a half words or so. Uh, so I got done with that. And, and in the meantime, you know, we, we've sort of seen what happens uh, when, when certain epic fantasy writers in particular uh, make promises about when they're going to be done with things. And then as it turns out, epic fantasy is pretty hard to write. Um, and, and you can get high centered very easily. So I decided, you know, what, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to not make a ton of promises about this next book. So, so I, I and, and then that's just kind of built on itself because I've been able to um, I didn't know at first if I could do this. I, I, I talked to I talked to Orbit. I probably shouldn't even talk about this. Um, I, I was able to get kind of a different deal in 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 that uh, I, I I didn't get nailed down to a specific deadline. Ooh. for my next book. Um, and obviously, you know, I've sort of earned that by, by putting out books and, you, you know, I'm not dinking around, but, but I, I like with, with the Lightbringer books, the books got twice as long, but the deadlines stayed the same. And I got to a pretty unhealthy place where that was just wrecking me emotionally, physically, my marriage, like, like, like everything was going into to meeting the deadlines and not, not being that epic fantasy author who doesn't get books out there. So I, I was like, you know what, let's, let's not do that again. That was, that was bad for me. Um, so I said, I, I need to kind of have much looser deadlines and, and they've, they've done that for me. And for a while I was, I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to work without, you know, constant stress <laughs> and anxiety. 
you know, just hanging over your head, uh, as, as all working writers are, are, are fairly familiar with. Um, but turns out, yes, I can work. Like writing is just, that's the thing I do. And when I'm not doing it for very long, I, I get antsy and I want to write. Um, so, 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 so I've been working on this, uh, I've been working on this project that's set in the night angel world. I, I don't have a particular, uh, date for publication yet. It is, I'm quite far along. Uh, and of course, I, I, I came into this thinking, this will be, I, I want to write a short book. I want to write a short, have you ever said that to yourself, Ryan? <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it doesn't work, does it? Every time I say this one's going to be a short one. Uh, yeah, so my last book was 400,000 words. <laughs> but, but my first books were, were, were you know, 155,000 words, which was too long. I had trouble getting those published because 155,000 words is too long. So I was hoping to do kind of, even shorter than that. I was like, let's, let's give myself a test. Let's write a short book. And, uh, so I failed. So, so it, it, uh, it's definitely longer than that. It's, it's, it's more in my normal range, unfortunately. So, so it's, it, it, it's going great. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm working through that. And I think, uh, I think people who like Night Angel will be, will be pretty excited. That's very cool. Sorry, sorry very long answer to, to a short question, right? That, no, that's fantastic. I, um, I think that's uh, that's fun. So we obviously you are making a concerted effort to not make promises, but we should see another book from you within the next couple of years. You're feeling? Oh sure, oh sure, yeah, yeah. I I mean yes. Like I said, I'm. Um, they really like to put me in the fall. It would not surprise me. Again, not promising here, but it would not surprise me if if next fall um, we saw a book from me. So I, I just as long as it's not next summer so that I don't have to compete with you. Oh, oh is, that, is that when you've got another one dropping? <laughs> yeah, that's that's my new book. See, see, see I, I'm always like, like, why, why do they love fall for me? And, and obviously, you know, the, the salespeople know more than I do. So I, I feel like it, it behooves us as writers to understand where we're ignorant. Um, but I'm always like, especially early on with with Night Angel and stuff, I'd, I'd sort of look out at the crowd and I'd be like, there's a lot of college kids here. My books drop right when college gets back in session. It seems like the worst time ever to drop a book to me, but 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 maybe that's just who comes out for for book signings and stuff. So, I uh, yeah, they, they, they like that time of year for me. So that's where I've had some crunches before, where it's been like, okay, you can either get it done really fast and push really hard for the next six months, or you can wait a year and six months. Which yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you have. Have you run into crunches like that? Um, you know, I get. I get kind of, I've, I've had the, uh, Hey, we've given you a slot. You need to hit this deadline to make that slot or we'll push you back. Yes. Um, I've definitely gotten that before. And I think I did, gosh, there was one of my books that I, I definitely remember getting pushed back a slot because I did miss a deadline. I don't remember which one it was. It might've been sins of empire, but, uh, but it was just, you know, it was getting pushed back a quarter. You know, where they said, okay, okay, in, okay, instead of your, instead of your April launch, we'll give you a, I don't remember what it was like a June launch or something like that. Did, did you feel like that had an effect on, on the trajectory of your career or on your sales or however you want to mention it or how, measure it? I mean, man, I'm sure at the time I had a lot of opinions. None of them stuck with me. <laughs> so, so clearly it didn't make, I think I was mostly just frustrated to have to wait another two or three months before the book came out. And I think that was pretty much the extent of it. Okay. Okay. Well, that, see that, that, that's not horrible. It's like, yeah, I, I don't, you probably don't do this, but sometimes I build things up in my, in my mind and it's like, Oh no, it'll be ruined if this and that happens. And, and then it happens or, and it's not ruined. So no, I definitely do. 
I think I think all of us do, you know, because we always all this stuff is so much bigger in our own heads than it is in real life. Like missing something like missing a missing your your slot or whatever. It's just OK. Life goes on. And and obviously there's like, you know, like uh, I've heard anecdotally that the pandemic uh, did really well for people's backlists but really badly for people's new books. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, obviously something like that could, you know, alter the trajectory, but I can't imagine, you know, changing by a couple of months really changes that much. So so you, you you had a book come out during the pandemic, didn't you? Uh, No, no, I haven't. I haven't. uh, My last Epic fantasy was the final powder mage, which I think was December of 2019. Okay. Okay. So right before. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then it's interesting. I I imagine that there's somebody somewhere has been collecting data to try to figure out how the pandemic affected sales because like, you know, I've heard lots of anecdotal stuff. I've seen my own sales numbers and you know, my backlist, especially last summer did amazing. Like just people started buying books. Right. right. <laughs> and, and so it's, you know, it's weird. I have no idea what the end results were, but you know, and I heard that there were some genres that just totally flatlined, but mm. then like fiction from what I've heard yeah, yeah. did really well. So yes, but please help me escape the hell that is reality and, and go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I would see that working out. What like, like what I heard from, from the UK, I talked to some of the, the sales folks over there, and and they said initially um, audiobooks took a really big hit, like like and and they were you know speculating just like everybody that like people were not um, uh, were not commuting and that was the usual time that they would listen to audiobooks. So people just sort of stopped listening because they didn't have their normal time. And then a couple months in, people were like, I, I miss my audiobooks and 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 figured out oh I can listen to an audiobook while I do the dishes or whatever. And 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 all of a sudden audiobook sales, you know, skyrocketed and did really, really well. So so so, so there's just sort of a lot of different uh, feels like there's a lot of different ways the market moved um as people just had to adjust to to a new new lifestyle, I guess. So yeah, and you never know what's going to affect, you know, a single genre or what's going to affect a lot of people or or what you expect to affect people and then not do anything. Right, right. Yeah, I, or, early in my career I had or or I don't know if, how many years ago was it now? Uh when there was the big Amazon uh Hachette fight. Yeah. Like like I remember that showing up and being like I could check and I noticed it because for whatever reason, at that point, I was sort of checking in on things more carefully than I do these days. Um, but I was like, OK, my books have disappeared from some places that I used to see them. And like before it was announced, like before everybody found out about it. And um, <laughs> man, man, can I talk about this stuff? Yeah, I, yeah, I probably won't get in trouble about this. But, 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 but like people who read this book also read this book. You know, and, and I would be on some of those things with, with Brandon or with Pat or who or, or whomever. And like all of a sudden it was like, I'm not on any of those. Like, like, like that little bar that Amazon has below, they know that that drives that drives engagement and they took it away. Like they just quietly took it away to start, you know, uh, tightening the screws on Hachette uh, way back when. And it's like, wait, where do my things go? Like, I don't see any recommendations for my books showing up anywhere. And, and, and like I'd ask Hachette and of course they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to tell anybody. So anybody who could talk to me was being told from on high, 
you do not talk about that stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I, I sent a, I sent a big email to my, to my editor, like, like talking about all this stuff and saying, I'm noticing all the, these things and, uh, and, and who will go nameless for right now. Um, and, <clears throat> and got this very businessy response from an editor who is not very businessy. You, you know, it, it, like you usually this person is very informal and I'm like, what is the deal? And that was on a Wednesday. And then the story broke into like the New York times on Thursday. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. Weirdly. I think that I had the exact same experience. Really? Really? Like where, where I was, cause I, I tend to watch these things, especially early in my career. I was watching this uh-huh. really closely and, and I, I feel like I, I had the exact same experience where I started noticing like, and I, I, my memory is fuzzy on this, but I, I think it was between my first and second book. Okay. And so when I started noticing numbers getting wobbly really we- in a way that I hadn't before, it freaked me out really sure, bad. Sure. <laughs> and, and I was, I, if I, if I remember right, everything happened and was resolved like a month before my second book came out. Okay. Okay. And so, so I ended up doing pretty fine. <laughs> That's- yeah, but like I missed, I missed the like the bad part of it, but it definitely left me feeling real crappy about the whole thing. Yeah, I I, I tend to say that like writing is is the perfect career to to breed paranoia and fear, because we all generally work alone. Our, our careers are in the hands of people that like like the gatekeepers. Let's say like like who are far away. We don't see them, and we don't have very many reality checks. So, so, so it's like, if, if you're getting worried about something, you know, there's some dude over at Amazon who's working on an algorithm who, who can tank you, or at least it feels like that early on. And so, so if you're, if you're looking at things, it's like, this thing could happen. And my whole career go, I mean, it's the way we tend to think about it. And uh, so, so, so it's, it's a, it's a career that can be pretty tough on the nerves. I think. <laughs> so. I, I I remember it was a few years ago. I had a bunch of friends all get TV film deals all at the same right, all at the same time around. And I remember just going through like a couple of weeks where I kept hearing about a new friend getting this uh, new deal. Uh. And my in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what what's wrong? Why am I not getting one of these? Is my is my film agent crappy? Is my is something about the world not like? like anybody else's that is bad for tv and i just totally having that like weird meltdown on the inside over something that honestly it really isn't that big of a thing right once you actually learned that oh yeah a lot of authors get these and they never go anywhere kind of thing yeah yeah how, how many of those got greenlit right yeah. <laughs> you know so i mean i let, like like people tend to and and of course you can't you can't fault authors for like trumpeting that when like that happens and like that's a good thing it's exciting mm-hmm. and it's sort of like yeah you bought a lottery ticket yay <laughs> it, it doesn't mean you're gonna win <laughs> it's like I, or or you know somebody paid you for a lottery ticket but it's it's uh it's not it's for for most of us it's not like oh i can retire now money it's like they gave me five grand to try to make a movie out of it. And then I'll get more money if they do, but like they gave me five grand. I mean, which hey, five grand is great for, for, for no extra work, but it's also not like I'm a big deal now. I'm a movie star, you know, next, next week I'll be rubbing elbows with everybody on the, on the red carpet. It's like, well, 
maybe. <laughs> you know, I, 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 but but yeah, you're you're right. You can you can go through those periods where like a pool of five people have that happen to them, and just because you know them all, you think I'm getting left behind. Right, right. My my peers are moving on without me. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. So you're like clapping for them, yay, and then you clap for the next one, yay, and then by the fifth, you're like, yay, yeah. <laughs> so. <it's, laughs> Oh man. Well, well I, I, the thing I always return to is like controlling what, what I can control. And, and, and that's, that stood me in, in really good stead. Like, like instead of saying, you know what, I want to have a, a number one New York times bestselling book or something. It's like, well, that can be buried by somebody else with a bigger book comes out. You, you know, John Grisham releases a new book. You're not going to get no, number one, no matter what, no matter, matter what you did well. So, so like I, I try to have goals that are things I can control. You know, I'm going to write the best book I can here and now. I'm going to write a book and like, okay, crap, it's going to be late this time. Like I had, I had to do the delayed book um, with, with my last Lightbringer book. And I said, but you know what? I'm going to write a book that I hope people will be reading in 20 years. Like that's in my control. How people like it, how they respond to it. You know, if the first reviews on Amazon are crappy or whatever, like I can't control that stuff. Uh I mean, people try to, you know, by sneaky ways, but, 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 but in general, like, like all I can do is, is I can write as well as I can and, and hope that the, uh, hope that readers respond to that. And that's in my control. And, and that, that keeps me from going crazy a little bit. So, yeah, I think that's probably a much healthier headspace to try to stay in for (laughs) what we do for a living. Yes, yes. If you can call us healthy, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said healthier. I didn't say right, healthy. True, true, true. That that was a comparative statement. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. So, 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 man, what, 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 what else is going on in your world right now? Oh gosh, no. I've been uh, I've been taking the last two months off to make a podcast. Weirdly, um, oh. <laughs> so, so I've been. Oh, oh so, so, so you took off time from your job to start a new job. Yeah. No, I, uh, I just ended up, I turned in, uh, in the shadow of lightning, which is the book that's coming out next summer. Uh, I finally got the last draft turned in and, uh, about two months ago. And I just said, I am super burned out from trying to rewrite this stupid book like three times during the pandemic. Yeah. And so, uh, so I've kind of just said, I'm not going to write for a chunk of the summer. And, uh, and, but I still wanted to do something. And you know, uh, doing a podcast seemed like fun. So yeah. So, so do you do you get antsy when you don't write, or 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 has the podcast filled the void? Like like uh, I I've got this other thing I'm doing. I I definitely get antsy. In fact, I've the last probably two weeks I've started getting really antsy about trying to get in a couple of side projects before I get to book two of the big epic fantasy. And uh and and it's like it's it's gonna break. I can feel it in the next few days probably. It's yeah. going to break and I'm going to find myself back, you know, sitting somewhere writing uh, just to just to get out of the headspace of, you know, playing video games and working on the house. <laughs> right, right. So, so if, if I remember correctly, you you used to be um, like like a, a guy who would write in like huge bursts, like like you talk about like how you never, ever wrote and you just played video games. And I'd be like, yeah, shut up, Brian, because you get you get all this work done. It's like you publish books. So I think you're kind of low key lying to me. So, 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 so do, do you still tend to do that? You, you do huge sprints. You know, I've been really trying to get off of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, part of what kind of burned me out with uh, in the shadow of lightning was that I, I just like, I was kind of, 
I definitely had that not a good headspace for writing in during the pandemic. Uh, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but the early pandemic. You're wiping down your groceries and wondering what's going to kill you. Yeah. 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 And so I, I probably I put more work into this book than I have in any other single book. Um, just uh, massive rewrites. And and so honestly, that probably was 18 months, maybe even 24 months solid of writing and rewriting, which is the kind of the the biggest chunk of of work of solid writing work that I've done in my career so far before that my MO very much was kind of a six months on six months off sort of person. And, and I kind of, when I, when I started struggling with the early drafts of the new book, I was kind of like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to power through this. And, uh, and it wound up working. It just took a while. (laughs) Oh man! Oh yeah! I I, I hear you. So, so so I'm I I'm way more of a like everyday working stiff. I I, I guess. Well, I I mean not really. I'm still a st- still a writer, but but uh, like I I used to for the first ten years of my career, I I work six days a week, and I just like I just be out there in the morning, and and maybe I'd be done by two or three o'clock, but I'd just be there every day, and then usually at two or three o'clock, I'd try to uh, I try to work on you know, all the emails and the this and the that, all, all, all the business stuff that, that piles up. And I would just do it, you know, six days a week. Just pretty different than like you'd sit down and, you know, have your 6,000 word days or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I did that a couple of times in in my whole career. And it was always at the end of books, you know, when, when, when you've got everything decided. The sprint. The sprint, yeah, the sprint at the end. But like usually it's, it's like, I had to like stop following certain people on Twitter who'd be like, Oh, Hey, I, I just did this many words today. And I just be like, I hate you. I'm working every day and I don't put up those numbers. You know, <laughs> Dang, I'd write so many books if I could, you know, consistently write 4,000 words a day. I, I mean, everybody would, I suppose, but, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm, I, I guess it's sort of like people come up to me and they ask me like, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, I do it this way that's not the right way to do it. Like the different people do it. You know, people do it in sprints. People, people take a ton of time to write out the outline and get a super detailed outline. Other people pants it and, and, and do it their way. I'm just sort of like, man, I, I want to give you advice, but, but it really depends on who you are. And, and I don't know you. So, so I don't know what's going to work for you. Uh, and, 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 and I, I fear giving people advice and having them like go in it, it's the opposite of what they need, you know, because they're just a different kind of person. Um, but anyway, yeah, I uh, I approach things differently, I guess. Yeah, um, you know, I, I actually have a very deep jealousy for people who are able to make themselves get up and do some work first thing in the morning and then get on with their day later on. I mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot healthier and I think it would be a lot healthier for me, but I'm I very much am an impulse person. Where it's you know if I get up in the morning I kind of look around and go yeah yeah I could I could spend six hours playing a video game before I do get some work in uh, and and that's really bad and I honestly I've spent quite a long time trying to break out of that because yeah. it's you know I've made it work for the my you know whatever eight years of my career so far but it's it's not healthy and I don't personally like it so so I it's it's one of those things that I hope to really kind of get tamped on some at some point but it's going to be a long-term process <laughs> yeah i i i have found that like i i will have the, those days um in like particularly in this book where i've been really good at like 
locking down all, all my all my internet access and stuff. And I I like I'll get up. I'll have I I, I have this trick right now that I'm doing. I've I've started uh, writing longhand. So so I got got a, a, a nice journal. I got I, I I got into fountain pens, which was a mistake. But but <laughs> but, but so I bought myself a nice pen. Uh, it it, it kind of so when I get stuck typing. And, and then I'll want to dink, you, you know, I'll just want to go to the internet and, and I'll just check Twitter for a little while. I'll check news sites, you know, and, and, and then that's just, don't do that. <laughs> Everybody does it, but like, don't do that. So, so it, it, instead I'll, I'll, I'll grab the journal and I'll start, I'll start writing. There's just something physical uh, about connecting physically with making the words that's really helped me. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have days where I, where I write and writing goes really well by noon. I'm kind of done with what I had to say. Like, like I, like I have enough energy. I could keep writing, but I know it's going to be worse. You, you know, like, like I've, I've outwritten my creativity for the day. Like all the great stuff that I was thinking about yesterday, it, I'm, I'm done. And, and then I'll just be like, okay, sweet. What else is there to do today with this energy I have? And like, man, that feels awesome. <laughs> when, when you like get out today's words, you go, that was, that was a good day's work. Frequently, I would spend all day getting that much or less. And you go, you know, I, I still have energy to go like, hey, I could go play with my kids or I could take on that house project and, and feel good about my day. Anything from here is bonus. So that's been um, that's been nice. That's happened in this book. So and, and way more in this book than than in previous books. So that's that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I like I said, I I'm very jealous of people who are good, are able to just get up and work done because the few times I have made myself get like a good day's work in first thing in the morning i feel amazing like you said that moment when you finish up and you look at the clock and you're like it's only 1 p.m and i have nothing that i have to do today this is amazing i love that yes yes it's uh well well i i i hope you experience it many many more times many more times (laughs) like like i said long project i'll i'll get there someday yes so I, I was I was curious about because we we uh, you referenced earlier how your your last book was about four hundred thousand words, and I I kind of wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to dig in a, into that a little bit with kind of what we see in our little corner of fantasy genre mm-hmm. of this kind of uh, epic fantasy bloat that seems to happen to every single epic fantasy author. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel like that comes from? Because it's, because even, even people that, even people that like start with short books, like you said, your night angel books, 155,000 words. That's, that's a reasonable length. And then, and then jumping all the way to the other end with 400,000 words. That's a lot. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, so I, I think, I'm sure it comes from a lot of places like like one of the places is that the only people who who can get away with it are the people who can get away with it. And 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 so so it's like either you are just the books good enough that it needs that long. um, But definitely the sales are good enough that Mm. you can get away with it. And then sometimes the say like I, I think it strikes the salespeople of like. It doesn't matter. You know, we're going to pay off the, the extra cost of paper anyway. So just put it out there versus let's make this guy edit this for a year. No, we'd rather have him do another book, you know, in that time. And, and so I think some of the bloat doesn't get combated just because it's easier not to fight with with somebody who's, you know, sold a ton of books already. 
and 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 is going to say in some cases, um, you know, you, you'll see this in writers, and and you'll be like, and I remember seeing this when I was just a reader, and thinking like, oh, this in this book, this writer was too famous, and this book needed to be a third shorter. Like clearly, their editor told them to do some things, and they said no, and the balance of power had shifted, and their editor wasn't able to do anything. Like, like I'll, I'll not drop names, but, 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 but it, I mean, it wasn't even in, in fantasy. It, like you'll see it in military thrillers. Sometimes you'll see these enormous books and you're like, that book was too long, but that person was selling a million books, uh, you know, a million copies uh, per book. And so what was their editor going to do? Say, you know, say go somewhere else. It's like, yeah, right. So, so, so I, so partly I think it's, I think it's a function of, of just money, which is, which is sad and is the worst thing. Um, on the artistic side, I think it's because epic fantasy writers tend to be good at middles. So it's like, I've introduced my, my characters. I've introduced my world. Now I want to play here. And, oh, I, I just made up a new character and I love them. And like, let's talk about them. And then, and then you you just keep introducing more new characters. And then at some point, uh, hopefully you realize you have to tie this sucker together and like, oh, you think you're going to do it in one book? You, you know, Robert Jordan? Like, no, you're not. Like, like it's going to take you three. It's going to take somebody who is brutal and efficient three books to 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 bring that sucker home. And you, you know, which which Brandon obviously did. And 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 I don't know if anybody could have done it more efficiently than Brandon did. So from the artistic side, I think it's like like you also get a lot of people who are who are pantsers and they don't know how big it's going to be. And then once you start introducing, um, once you start introducing subplots and 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 characters it's like they all have to be there for a reason <laughs> you know and, and and so tying those back together becomes super super complicated it's it's just like okay why did you have this whole subplot with this guy what what was that there for if it's not there for a good reason readers are going to be like why did i read 400 pages about that guy over the last 10,000 pages and they're going to be mad at you so like you have to bring them in somehow um, so, so, so that's the artistic reason I think is that it's easy to fall in love with your own creation and want to explore it more and just keep telling the story like, like, like in your head. And then it's a lot harder to, to bring it together. I mean, having, having written a series finale, it's like, man, series finales are friggin' hard. They're just hard to do. And the longer your books get, the harder it is to do. So, so you had, you had, uh, Night Angel with, I assume, uh, around or maybe a little less than half a million words, and then mm-hmm. Lightbringer with uh, a million and a half words. D- yeah. Did you see a difference in finishing up each of those two series? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the uh, the Lightbringer books uh, were like the Lightbringer finale was much much harder, and and I even tried as I went along to keep from introducing so many side characters. And to keep things a little more focused on 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 the big main characters, point of view characters, and like like in 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 Night Angel, I just like introduce point of view characters whenever I wanted to, like okay, and and then you just kill them off, and like you introduce this and that, like I tried to keep a tighter narrative focus for for that particular reason. But but then once the story gets big enough, it's like like every character's backstory also intersects with every other character's backstory. Like you made up all the things, so it takes time to to figure out how that all plays together. To, to cut, to fill all the plot holes that you're creating, um, just as you just make, you know, you make stuff up. You say, oh, they got married 20 years ago. And, and then somewhere else you say, oh, yeah, his grandpa was this, this age. And, and you don't think it matters. And then you realize it matters later. 
Um, I, I, I had one case where I hundreds of pages apart talked about some characters and their ages and like, and I, and I realized, oh, they got married when she was two. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. You know, wait, I, I can fix this. I can fix this. <laughs> you know, uh, so, 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 uh, so yeah, I, I, I found Lightbringer to be, to be very, very challenging because especially when you have, um, the series finale has to be the ending of the entire series as well as the ending of a book. And, and so, so you could basically have, if the series is too long, it'd be like, okay, your final battle needs to take, you know, 500 pages or, or a thousand pages just to do your final battle. If you're going to have everybody who mattered over the whole course of the series matter in this battle, or if they're not going to matter, then they better matter in some other way. And so you just got to figure all these things out. And, and, um, so that, that was the big difficulty because I want each book of my of my series that I write, each book to have shape as a book. It, it doesn't just end. It, it like has a reason to be a single volume. And then it has a place in in the um the, the, it has a place in the whole series too. So then the last book in the series just threatens to be overwhelming. It threatens to be enormous. You, you know, like like that's why I, I published that book, even though it could have been two books. I would have made more money by doing it as two books, but it felt like one book. You know, it would have been two long books, 200,000 word books. It's like, those aren't short books, but, but thematically it was one book and, and I wanted to keep, so I wanted to keep it together. And, and I thought they were going to make me split it up. I really was like, I, I'm pushing it here at 400,000 words, but, but they let me keep it together. And, and, uh, I was glad for that. So. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So, 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 so what about you? Like, how long was your first, what, what's your longest series right now? Um, so I think, I think Promise of Blood was 165. And then I think, so I think uh, across the six Powder Mage novels, I think the longest one was probably the final one, Blood of Empire. And that was, gosh, my memory is crap, but I want to say 195. Okay, okay. Um, so I was able to keep it in under 200. And uh, w- weirdly, I don't find, I don't know, I guess, I, I guess I'm still, my books are still bloating, definitely. Like they're getting longer the further into my career I am. But I, I, I don't know if they're bloating as fast as some of the other epic fantasy authors I really like. Um, and I, I don't know, really know why. I, I, I maybe, you know, like, because when I get to the end of a series, um, there is, there's a mixture of 
wanting to do it right, but also being a bit exhausted from being inside the world and also knowing that all of my readers have been in this world with me for this long and I don't necessarily want to spend five chapters on every single subplot. Right. And so so I tend to be pretty I guess my my third books so far anyways with my for my two trilogies um like the third book has ended up being a little bit the maybe paced faster than it should be in terms of the the genre I'm writing in and I I I wonder I think about that a lot because you know I'm still sure. I'm still a, a full book away from getting to book 3 of this new series yeah, yeah. but at some point I will be there and I'll be thinking about okay did I hurry the ends of both Powder Mage trilogies or did I do I look back and I feel really good about them because I cut out the extra junk that normally makes books a lot longer. And honestly, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. Cause like, you know, when I was a teenager reading wheel of time, like I loved the fact that there were so many books to just dig into and read. But then, you know, but occasionally I'd run into like a, a point of view character that I was like, okay, this character really is boring. Why are they like a third of the book? Uh, you know, and but every single reader is going to come to the book differently and feel differently about it. Because I, I remember, I remember even just being in high school and not really having a concept of publishing or anything like that. Um, when when Wheel of Time was getting, I think when around, I think book nine came out or something like that, uh, was the first book that I that that it came out while I was reading the series. Sure, and. And I, I remember kind of like reading on forums and things like that, people complaining about oh how long the series is getting and, and, you know, lots of like, oh, well, he's married to his editor and that means he doesn't get edited and he needs to have, he needs to be slapped down and like all these comments and things. And, and even now as a professional writer, I kind of look back at that and go, yeah, I have no idea. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what I would have even done in his shoes you know, because wasn't it famously supposed to be like a five book series or something like that? Oh yeah, yeah three at first, and three? then and and then oh, it's gonna be five or six. I, I but yeah, I, I, I remember I, talk, I talked to some some bookstore owners, uh, Bay Books in um, is it Bay Books and Tobacco in San Francisco, and and I was visiting them again, and and I I wrote the first Lightbringer book, and I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be three books, and they're like. Haha, <laughs> Robert Jordan was in here and he told us it was going to be three books. <laughs> and then they're just like, and so every time I got, got back and seen those guys, but like, yeah, hi guys. Yeah. One of my, uh, oh, like, I think my first Reddit AMA, I, somebody asked me how often I was going to be putting out books, uh, because I was promoing Promise of Blood. And I think I answered, oh, I'm definitely going to do a once a year maybe even once every nine months thing. Sure. And, and you messaged me like the next day and said, <laughs> <Did I? laughs> you, you messaged me and said, dude, don't, don't do that. You're just going to put your foot in your mouth in a few years. <laughs> and you know what? I'm glad you did because I, that was the point at which I was like, okay, that maybe it's a good idea to not give too solid of promises. Right. Yes. <laughs> I was just trying to look out for you. I was just trying to look out for you a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, you know, when, when I look at those things, like I, I have, obviously I've, my books have gotten longer too. And I, I mean, I truncated the end of the night angel series because it was, it was significantly like I went one fifty five 
coincidentally 155 for the second one as well. And then the last one was like 210 and I was worried it was too long. And so like I, I, um, you know, somebody said, oh, you better, you know, cut 10,000 words from that. And so I was like, okay, 10,000 words cutting is good. 20 is better. And so I cut 20,000 words, you know, and, and, and I think it ended up being like, I cut too deep, you know, like, like there were some scenes that I, I should have left in. And so like my thought now is like, does, does every scene have to be in the book? Like, like for me, scenes are basically chapters. So like, does every chapter do significant work that needs to be in the book and needs to be in the series? Like, because if it's if it's doing something new and different that, that contributes to the character arc or makes their problems worse, that's fine. If it's doing the same thing that, that some other scene has already done, then it needs to go. You, you know, so, so, so like that's that's my way of, of having like, OK, I have long books, but I hope they're not bloated books because the scenes are all doing something. And, and like, OK, well, there's a lot of characters. They've got a lot of ground to cover. You know, this person's got to get from here you know, both physically and emotionally over to this place for, for, for this to themat for this subplot to thematically work out and cast, you know, a, a, a different perspective on the series theme, you, you know, and okay, not everybody, you know, it's a war. Not everybody gets a perfectly happy ending. You know, nobody gets a perfectly happy ending, but, but like, but like, here's how it goes for this character. This character refused to change. Let's see how that works out for them. Like, like it shows that characters can refuse, you know, and, and so, so, so I try, yeah, if, if each part in the clock needs to be in there to keep accurate time, it's like, you can't just go in there and rip out some gears because the clock's too big, you know? And, and, and so it's like, ah, it's a grandfather clock. I, I, I prefer pocket watches. You know, this is obviously bloated. It's like, it's just a different kind of clock, <laughs> you, you know? Well, I, I do think that we, we write in a little subgenre that I think, rewards overwriting but does not reward underwriting uh and it uh be, because i think that the re uh, i think that the readers of epic fantasy they'll they will forgive bloat mm-hmm. because you know what i think that the type of person that reads epic fantasy at least speaking from my own experience the type of person that reads epic fantasy they're pretty cool with skipping a point of view if they don't really like that character uh you know like they're cool with just saying yeah this chapter I'll skip to the end of it because that character kind of, eh, they don't do it for me. I mean, it, cause like, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I did that all the way through uh Malaysian book of the fallen uh, <laughs> because it's 10 books of like, I, I have no idea how many millions of words, Yeah, but it's massive and, and it's amazing, but it also has countless, just countless point of view characters. And there's, yeah, yeah. there's a point at which like me as a reader and I'm going through those, I kind of go, yeah, I don't feel like this is connecting to the thing that I fell in love with. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I can come back later if, if it does connect. Sure. So I, I think that the type of person that reads Epic Fantasy is probably pretty cool with that. And, but I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm speculating or putting my own experience <laughs> on it. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I'm just like, oh my god! Please tell me people aren't skipping my chapters. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, uh, no, no, those are in there for a reason. The, 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 the uh, little pretentious artiste in me just, just went, what? Little, little freak out there. But no, I, no, I think you're right. And I, I think it's, it's an interesting thing, like writing for, um, 
writing for a wide variety of audiences. It's like, I, I try to write my books so that, um, so that, that even a, a not careful reader, (laughs) you know, can kind of, can follow the action and, 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 and can get what's going on. And, and at the same time, uh, and, and have it be an exciting story that works and it doesn't drag and it's not, you know, too much navel gazing or, or this or that, you, you know? Um, and at the same time, uh, I want to reward readers who are looking deeper and, and, and who care about thematic stuff and, and who care about, uh, symbolism and, the, and this and that, and, and also reward people who are going to reread, you know, reread the whole series and look for little things that I've buried. Um, and, and like hitting all those audiences at the same time is, or, or, you know, hitting guys who are, who are going to skip point of view chapters. Cause they're like, oh, I don't like this girl, you know, forget it. She's, she, she's not doing it for me. You, you know, it is, it, it's a challenge. It's, 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 um, it's part of what makes, um, uh, our, our genre difficult, I think, or, or, or maybe it makes every genre difficult, I suppose. Uh, cause anytime you're going to a, to a wider market, which, which you hope to appeal, not just to, you know, a tiny sliver, you, you, you hope that, um, you, you know, it's, it, it's really nice when, when you go to a book signing and, you know, it's the 65 year old lady who, who, who hands you the book and, and you say, well, who do you want me to make it out to? And she's like, well, to me, you know, you know, yeah. Okay. Great. But what's your name? <laughs> you know, um, so that's, that, that's always great. So, so anyway, like, like balancing those things, like, do you have a reader in mind when you are, when you are writing, do you think about writing on multiple levels or, or, or how do you do it? Um, honestly, the only reader I have in mind when I'm in the middle of like plotting and characterization is myself. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, I want to be happy with everything I'm putting down and, and, you know, like there's, there's certain things like, Cause I definitely think about the fact that it is for an audience, you know, like, um, like for instance, if, uh, if I have, if I have a beta reader come back and say, uh, Oh, you left out this major detail or you didn't kind of, uh, expand upon this. If even if I did do that, like my initial reaction is to say, Oh man, they just didn't read carefully enough. They're dumb. But like there's, but I, I've been trying to cultivate my own response to not be, Oh, they're not a careful enough reader, but to rather be like, Oh, I didn't make it obvious enough. Right. Um, because, because you know, there's you, like you were saying, you want to aim for a middle ground in terms of the type of reader that you're writing for. You don't, you don't want to just be writing for the super careful readers. Right. Or for, or just for the people that skim the whole, the speed read the whole book, you know, you want something in the middle. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I sort of, like I would, I would put it just slightly differently. I'll, I'll, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to make my books vanilla. I don't, I, I don't want to make them, you know, inoffensive to every palette, so that you know I can just sell as many books as possible. Um, in, in, instead, I, I, I kind of think of it as, well, this is going to sound horribly pretentious, but I'm not saying I'm Shakespeare, but, 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 uh, just, just preface it. But like, like Shakespeare wrote for the groundlings. Like, there's fart jokes. There's, there, there, there's things that are hilarious to the people who are just there to have some fun that, and you can do stuff for that and also get the people who, who really like Shakespeare because of his poetry. And that's, uh, they shut down the theaters for a year because there's a plague during Shakespeare's, uh, during Shakespeare's time. So he wrote poetry for a year and convinced everybody that he was, he was, he was real literature. And, and so, so he was able to appeal to, uh, to both crowds, but at the same time, because actually, the, you know, the literati, they actually like fart jokes too. They just, you know. <laughs> right. 
They just pretend not to. <laughs> right, right, right. Ah, uh, see, actually, I'm here for for, for for all of this and that. And he's able to do both those things at the same time without um without really diluting what what he's doing. You know, he's um uh, he's not vanilla, right? Um, so so th- that's what I think is the challenge. It's it's not that I have to appeal to every reader. It's that I I hope there are things for a lot of readers in there. That, that they can that they can grab onto more, and some readers are probably tolerating stuff in my books that are other readers' absolute favorite things. And it's like I'm going to have both of those in there because I like both of them. Yeah, I I try really hard to not write things that I don't personally like. Um, you know, there's I is something I've I've talked about uh, with um, a mutual friend of ours, Charlie Holmberg, is that I I'm not really into romance, and so my books tend to not have romantic elements in them very much and when they are it's pretty light uh but i've i but the the fact is is i know that readers love that stuff and so i I, that that's the first time in my career that i've been trying to be a little better about i think pandering is too strong of a word but but of about trying to to be outside of my comfort zone um and uh and so like you know for for this last book there's some romance elements that i i went to charlie and i said would you read this for me so i know i didn't screw this up because uh, uh, i just you know it's just not a thing that i'm super comfortable with as a writer um but but i think that there is maybe i think that in my head there's a negotiation to be had between writing outside of your comfort zone versus expanding your comfort zone sure. and i and that's kind of what i'm trying to do and i think i think a lot of writers will go through that at some point. Um, and uh, d- is is there anything that you have kind of come across that is outside your comfort zone as you write? Oh, oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I, um, I, I try to pick new things to, to, to take on that scare me with every book. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to do something that, that's hard for me or, or that's like, okay, how do I, how do I, how, how do I do romance stuff? Like, like I didn't grow up reading a lot of romance novels. Right. So I don't, I don't know what works for most people. So, so it's like, so maybe I pick up a few romance novels and I read them and I, and I go, you know, this is not, this is not my thing. This, but, but I see what works in here. Like, like, like I see how these characters are interacting in ways that people probably really dig. Like this is probably why people go and read romance. Like, cause this is done really well. And, 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 and so, so yeah, I, I, I try to take on some of those things and, um, oh man, I've, I've, I've got, I've got some interactions in, in this, in this book I was, that I was working on today. And it's like this, well, I'm trying not to get spoilers to the book at all. So, so, so I have to talk about this in really vague ways, which is horrible, <laughs> but, 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 but basically she's super awkward and he's super awkward and so w- 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 when there's like a flirtation that of course goes sideways and goes horribly because it's you know it's a fantasy novel it's not a romance novel although things go anyway yeah. um, <laughs> it's like oh man i am going to find myself on some reddit forum on this one dang it <laughs> you know but it's like but these characters actually are really awkward and and they're talking past each other cuz that's who they are cuz because they're both really damaged people, and so for it to be smooth and 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 to be the way you'd like it to be doesn't go with their characters. So it's like, oh, maybe you thought this was the place where you're going to get the romance novel element, 
but no, <laughs> you know, instead we're going to have a train wreck, you know, so, so that it's a, it's a Brent Weeks train wreck. And, and I, I hope you're here for that. And if it ends up on Reddit, you know, okay, I'll, 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 I'll take my lumps. You, you know, it's like actually in context, I think it works. It's just like, if you look at it out of context, it's like, wow, that's awkward. Nobody talks like that. It's like, have you ever listened to people? People are super awkward in real life. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I, I, I like taking on those things. I like taking on those things, and uh, and they scare me. You know, uh, trying to write different kinds of characters. Um, like in, in in this book, I'm I'm doing a first person point of view. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done that before. I've I've always done third, and it's present tense. Um, and I've never done that before either. Uh, so, so sort of is a thing that's used in YA a lot. That's not why I'm using it. I'm, I'm, I'm using it because it, it fit the characters. But also I did it because it's like I've never done that. People say it's harder in some ways and, and people say it's better in other ways. And I'm like, I'm going to do that because I haven't done it before. You know, I, 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 I want to try that out. I want to I see if I can figure that out and if I can figure out the ways around the problems. You know, in, in, when you have multi-point of view, you can just hop heads and you can tell the story from, from somebody else's point of view, obviously, so that so that you can keep your character in the dark about certain things. So there's a ton of stuff where the character's in the dark. Of, uh, uh, dang, I really want to be specific. Um, <laughs> in, in this book, and like, and in some places, there's just like, there's no way around it. And it's like, okay, cool. Interesting stuff is happening off screen. He doesn't know it, so you don't either. So here we go, <laughs> you know? And and then you backfill it. And, and so, so I, I, I like doing those sort of things. I, I like taking on those challenges. I think the interesting stuff is happening off screen is the reason why I write multiple point of view epic fantasy is so that, because that's like, that's one of my favorite kind of like tools is being able to, to kind of construct something bigger than what the, the, the than what one character's point of view could possibly encompass, and it's you know like that being able to being able to say oh man but there's this big thing that's over here and the character has would po- not possibly have any idea oh I'll just jump into this other character's head right. and they can show me what's going on I mean I love doing that uh, it's a it's it's a cheat in some ways but I still love it. Yes, right. Oh, I, I, yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. So, so the, the, the thing about um, the epic fantasy finales that, that I found is is really a challenge is when you get all the characters back into the room, it's like, well, whose head are you going to be in? Yeah. Like, 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 because generally in our genre at, at this time, people don't float heads very much. Like people used to do that and people do do it sometimes in, in, in literary fiction where they're in this person's head for a few sentences and then they're over in somebody else's head and you're just popping around within the scene. Like usually right now, it's just a stylistic thing. It's not because it's better or worse, but like right now people like to be in one character's head for the whole scene or at least for a significant chunk of the scene. And they like it very clearly delineated when you hop into the next head. But then like, like if you have a huge scene where like, you know, all sorts of stuff is going down and it has all sorts of emotional impacts for everybody in the room. It's like, and you've only got to be in one head. It's like, that's tough. So, so have, have you ever been in any of those situations? And, and, and how do you yeah, definitely on? I've, I've had, I've had scenes where I've written it from one person's point of view and finished the scene and gone, that just doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go back and write it from a different person's point of view. Um, and, and it's, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, because uh, that kind of exploring is part of my process in a way. Uh, but uh, 
but yeah, when you when you have multiple point of view characters in a room together, um, I actually really like that because it gives me options. Because then if I write something and it doesn't quite work, I can just do it over again right. uh, from a different angle. And and so I I really enjoy doing that. Uh, but it does when you get when you get more than two, it does kind of leave you kind of locked in terms of. Like oh gosh, which one? Which one do I go with? Do I do I care? Do does why would the reader care? Which one I'm going with? Which one's going to be more impactful? And and uh, occasionally, because I I kind of keep ninety five percent of my format is a single chapter, a single point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but occasionally I will jump points of view inside of a chapter, and that's what I reserve that for is is being able to say okay this is a point at which things are moving quickly i'm only going to do you know 500 words from this point of view i will jump into the other you know it's never two sentences it isn't like it isn't like dune which is uh, what's that described as omniscient uh an omniscient narrator yeah 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 um you know it's not like that it's definitely very clearly who's like unlimited i uh, yeah okay rather than the limited to to one head yeah unlimited yeah, so I, I always keep it still limited, but I, I will jump a little bit inside the chapter. But like I said, it's only maybe 5% of my chapters okay, okay. that I do that in. And I always I always find myself struggling to like do it, to like pull the trigger on, on that format, even though I've done it before and yeah. I've never had a complaint and it always seems to work out. And so, but there's something in my brain that wants to keep the standard format the whole way through. Yes. <laughs> this is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to play with those things. I like to try, uh, try them different ways. Like, like I do, I do like three characters in a room and I, and I do, I do usually, you know, by the end of a book, I feel like I should be able to let you know just by subtle cues, what that other character is thinking because you know them so well. So, 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 so if they just get this little look on their face or, they shift their posture or whatever. You know what they're thinking. You know they're pissed off about this, even though they're not saying it. You, you, you know, but when you get like six characters in a room and and it's like, okay, guys, the world's about to end. Here's our plan. And, and oh, you guys are going to lose out on our plan and you guys are going to, you know, be on the front line and probably die. It's like, okay, everybody has big feelings about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially the people who thought this plan was, was horrible in the first place. It's like, how do I be in all these heads at once? And it's, it's like, I, I have wanted to almost, it's, it's like that that's one of the troubles with, with a huge series and trying to make each book a little different. It's like, okay, this book, I could write it this way. Like, like I could go the literati way and, and do the floating thing just here, boom, 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 float around the room. But like that breaks from what I've done everywhere else in this series doggone like and that's gonna like some people that's gonna be too weird for so do i gain enough from from you know breaking my own rules or or, or at least breaking my own templates so, and anyway the, you know these these kind of craft things are are fun um uh they're hard though they're hard and, and they're invisible to most people right like like readers don't see us like writing it and then being like eh, no other different character let's try this or okay well she thinks exactly what i thought she was gonna think Let's go with actually. Let's go with a lesser character who's also been a point of view character because that's going to be more interesting because because she's going to be some, she's going to be the one who has surprising things that she thinks. Actually, let's go from her you know her point of view. Let's not let us be in either main character's head. Like so, you know, I like doing that sort of thing. I like I, I like juggling those things, but it's also like 
the pain in the ass of like, gee, I had I had four thousand words here that were perfectly good. They were serviceable, but they weren't good enough. Now I'm going to throw that out and have to do it all over again. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I fi- final books are are just a kick in the head, man. <laughs> they they really are, and they're hard to get. They're hard to feel totally satisfied with. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about sticking the landing, mm-hmm. and and I I feel like at least from my point of view, uh, like there will never be enough good reviews for a final book of mine that I don't still have doubts about what I should have added or taken out or, or whatever. Well, I, I I think Neil Gaiman said something about like uh, art is never finished, just abandoned. And, and it feels, it feels kind of true. It's like, I could have, I tend to get to a place of where I'm recognizing the diminishing returns. It's like, I could spend another six months on this book. And it would get, you know, 1% better. Okay, at that point, you know, there's only so many books I get to write in my life. So at that point, maybe you got to cut it loose. But another six months and it gets 10% better. Maybe that's worth doing. Well, uh, it's, it's learning <laughs> your own kind of breaking point for that kind of thing. I think that uh, is it's part of the growth as like a professional author mm-hmm. is knowing knowing where to make that call. And, you know, how much to fight with your editor over longer deadlines or whatever, you know. Right, right. <laughs> where is it worth it? Where is it not? You know? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going pretty long, but do you, do you have a few more minutes? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I was, I had a, a really interesting thing I wanted to kind of ask you about that kind of keeps going from this where, so your books, I, I've never seen them described as grimdark, but you have pretty dark moments in your books. And I was curious how writing those uh, writing abuse or death or torture or even just really excessive violence, does that affect your mental health at all? Not always. <laughs> <laughs> like, like oddly enough, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think of my books as grimdark. I, I, I don't put, you, you know, violence in there uh, purely to shock the reader or to show that I can put more, I can put more gross stuff in here than the other guy, even though, I could probably do that pretty well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like there is stuff that's, that's in there that's shocking. Um, but usually it's like one character is doing it to shock another character or, or it's, um, it's, it's partly to show, you know, how bad people can be. So, so then we can also see how good people can be, which I feel like sometimes you have to kind of earn your happy ending. Like, like, like if, if anybody gets a happy ending, like they had to go, they had to go through some hell to get there and they've still got some scars. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of like Frodo. Does he get a happy ending? You know, do you call that a happy ending? I mean, he gets to go to be with the elves. Yeah. And he's kind of shattered by what he went through. Right. Like, like I didn't actually, that wasn't a happy enough ending for me when I was a kid. I, I, I love Lord of the Rings and I read it like six times, but like I was mad because Frodo didn't get a happy ending to me. Um, so, and now as an older person, I realize that's a much more like, like, honest picture of war like you come home maybe you're okay but you're not really okay (laughs) you know there's things about you that aren't okay it was worth doing you know in that case it was worth doing everything you went through was was the right thing to do but you're not okay and and so so i i like to have uh, that kind of picture of violence um there's awful stuff out there um and and it affects us and and it affects our mental health so 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 when i'm writing some of those things it depends on how um it usually depends on how long I've been planning for, for something to happen. Like, like, it, like I've had, I had a, a, a fairly major character who gets just like brutally 
um, assassinated in, in the first Night Angel books. And like from his first line, that's what I'd always planned to have happened to him. And so even though, so he's this good guy and, and he's got these big plans and, and, and it looks like things are going to go great for him. And then he just gets killed and it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> like, because, <laughs> because to me, he's like, oh, the guy who's going to die when we get to this certain point. And, and, and then I built him around kind of that character concept. Uh, like, like that was always there for me. Other characters have been a lot harder where like, like I had a character that I really, um, I wanted to have, have, have a happy ending. And, and then at some point in, I was like, she's got to die. And then I, I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to, how, okay, I can think of some ways to save her, but they're all cheesy. Okay. I'll, I'll have to come up with something better. And then, you, you know, I wrote the, the book all the way to, to the point where, where she, you know, I was going to save her. And, and I'm like, they're all cheesy. They're all, they're all just not honest. And then I was like, okay, what if she dies? And then it was like everything fell together. And it was like, yep, that's what had to happen. Like that was tough on me. Like, like, like there are characters that I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I got to do that. So, so I, um, yeah, I, the, the hardest stuff for me was, but in terms of, in terms of mental health, um, was, was writing, um, there's abuse stuff early on in Night Angel. Um, and, and that was partly, I was exploring that kind of evil myself because my my wife was working with um uh, sexually reactive kids um in a mental health uh field and 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 so that's kids who have been abused and then they're abusing other kids so you're dealing with with little kids i mean who are then doing awful stuff to other kids and 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 like are they to blame for that (laughs) you you know at at some point you got a kid who's molesting other kids like they're doing damage to other people right and and, and like where you draw the lines on like, this is really awful stuff. And this is awful stuff that's echoing through like, well, who's responsible for that? Like, do they magically become responsible for what they do when they turn 18 or, or 16 or 15 or 12? Like, like, like figuring out the, um, just the evil, like, like the experience of like these shattered lives, you, you, you know, that you, you run into was stuff I was like, I didn't have a handle on and I wanted to kind of explore it mentally, like, like to, to try to get a handle on, on, on evil in the real world, you know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to tell you some of the stories that, that are real stories because right. they suck so much. Right. Like, and, and, and because they're real. Well, um, I think a lot of readers don't realize that when authors are writing, you know, it doesn't matter how long a professional writer has been doing what they do the stuff that they think about during the day that kind of gets lodged in their brain that any normal person, you know, goes to a therapist or talks about with their sibling or whatever, (laughs) you know, that, that bleeds into what happens on the page. Um, And, and so, so yeah, that, that totally makes sense that that would kind of, that would just, that would end up as, as a way to try to process it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I ended up, and, and I knew that the Night Angel books were going to have, you know, we're going to be pretty violent, just like the cast of characters. It's like, okay, assassins and sex workers, you, you know, in a totally corrupt city. It's like, this is going to be a pretty rough set, set of books. So, so, I, so I did want to let readers know exactly what kind of world you're going to get into so that if you go, this isn't for me, you could do that early. So, so, so really, I think, I think those are the roughest scenes in the entire series. And, and I put those early so, so, so that you'd know. Um, and, and then we tried not to um, or orbit like like the, the main uh, relationship is between a master and apprentice in in, in the in the first book. 
it's like, okay, so if you put a kid on the book with his master, people might think this is a book for kids or that it's really about a, a kid. And it's like, let's not do that. We don't want to do that. We, 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 you know, we don't want to appeal to the wrong audience there. So, so they didn't, they didn't lean into that angle. So I wrote the scene, I, I wrote the scene straight, especially one particular scene of, of sexual abuse. And then I, I just wrote it in the same sort of narrative style that I wrote all the other scenes of the book, pretty close camera following the, 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 the readers right in their heads and, and as things are going. And then I wrote the rest of the book and then I came back to it and said, okay, what do we need to see as readers? And I was able to be like, okay, that's what happens. And we don't need to see all of that in the same immediacy. Like we need to, we need to have a certain amount of immediacy to get across. Like, this is why this affected him emotionally the way it did in his life. Yeah. But we don't need to be, the camera can be pulled back a little bit. And so I pulled the camera back until it felt like, okay, that still keeps what happened without being gratuitous. So, so, so like, I didn't want it to be gratuitous. And, and like now thinking of people reading it and like, it would be even harder for me to write it now because I think like I would think, and I do think when, when I'm writing really brutal scenes, sometimes like somebody who's been sexually abused is reading this. That's a burden, man. (laughs) You you know, like, am I re-traumatizing somebody who's gone through hell themselves and like, like, do I have some responsibilities when it comes down to that? And it's like, I think I actually do because, because uh, I'm an artist, but I'm a human being. So, so I, I, I do have, I do have um, responsibilities to my fellow human beings. It, it doesn't need, mean that, you know, my, my art needs to be watered down, but it, but it means like, think about that. Think about those things and go, is this, is this necessary? Is this helpful for your art? Do you think that you felt differently early on in your career? I think I was, I think I was not aware like, like I just hadn't had as many experiences. Like I was like, I, okay, we did all this stuff. It's obviously not a book for kids. I didn't write it as a book for kids. Um, okay. W- w- we're not marketing it as a book for kids. And then you have kids come up to you who are like, Hey, I read this at, at eight. And you're like, <laughs> I read this at 10. And I'm like looking at their parents being like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, y- y- you know, and, and, and like kids get, you, you know, I, okay that's that's a thing i guess interesting choice dad (laughs) (laughs) right um so so there's that was just not something i ever imagined so so i I didn't i didn't really think about it so i i don't know for sure if i would water some things down or like like i i I tried to write some things in some ways that it's like you could miss it if you weren't if you were young you'd sort of miss what was going on because i'm not like describing body parts or whatever you know but but it's like and if you're older you're like oh god that's what's going on you know but but i i I might amp that up a little bit you know the filters the sensitivity of my filters is probably significantly higher about some of those things and other things it's like hey not every book is for every person and that's okay and and i gotta be able to say the things that i want to say even if it makes people mad you know and and it's like okay art is not all supposed to be comfort (laughs) you know it's like it's it's like oh i've never thought about it that way good good that means a book is doing something so um getting getting people to think outside their comfort zone yeah i uh well i I, isn't that one of the cool things that that fantasy can do it's like 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 you can talk about uh you know a foreign conquest and you can talk about issues about that happen in there and it's not immediately like you don't have to think of it in terms of oh does this guy have an R or a D in front of his name? You, you, you know, it's, it's like, no, no, 
it's it's not about that. It's about the nature of this in a different world. And maybe it's got some applications over here. You know, how do how do people read Tolkien now? You, you know, it's like, oh, he was he was a super ecological guy and he super cared about that. And and like, OK, yes, he did. You know, but but he wasn't talking about some particular fight in England at that time. Or if he was, he was he was sort of talking about it in a different way or he's talking about the nature of war. Yes, he was. But it wasn't just about World War One. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talking about people taking up a cause and all this, you, you, you know. So I, I I love that about fantasy. I love that it can kind of take us past our kind of our barriers where we want to slot things in. Okay, well, well, what news outlet did I read this story in? Then I can tell you if it's true or not. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's like, let's talk about the human experience and let's talk about how, how people react in really bad times because, you know, how people react in bad times is kind of what fantasy is all about, right? <laughs> One of the, some of the most fun I had writing a character uh, was for my second Powder Mage trilogy. One of my point of view characters was a, um, was a, a soldier who, the, the fun of writing it for me, um, and I use fun in kind of quotations, but the mm. human experience thing was having this soldier who knew he was a monster, but always thought of himself as the heroic monster, mm-hmm. and then realizing over the course of three books that maybe he wasn't and and kind of how that changed his own perspective of himself in the world. And I, I don't know, I love digging into that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. I, 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 with, uh, with night angel in, in the, uh, there's a, there, there's this character who's, who's a really good guy and he's, he's come from a bad background, but he's a really good guy. You see him being a good guy through the first two books. And then in the third book, he sort of starts making all these compromises and then he kind of does all these things because he needs to, because worse things are going to happen if he doesn't. And, and, and he, he basically slowly becomes this monster. Like he ends up leading the bad guy army, <laughs> you know, and, and, and no, no, he's, but, 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 but he's not actually going to go to war with them. And then things happen. And of course they do go to war. And, and, and I, it was kind of this thing I wanted to play with readers of like, he amps up the bad stuff he does. And I was going to be like, okay, readers to you, when did you pull away from this guy and go, Actually, he's doing bad stuff that's not okay anymore because he does. He he does really horrible stuff when you just look at, like, if you described it, you, you every person would be instantly like, well, that's awful. No, no, there's no excuse for that. But within the text of a novel, when you're inside that guy's head and you're like, okay, he has to do this. He has to kill these guys or this thing is going to happen. So he massacres a bunch of people. You know, he has to do this thing or they'll doubt, they'll doubt his will. And so you know, he does this other horrible thing and you're like, wait, I'm rooting for this guy. How do I feel about myself? Why am I rooting for my this guy? Just because I understand his thought process. Like I'm actually rooting for a bad guy. Wait, wait, wait. Have I been sucked in to kind of evil? Have I been sucked into evil because it smiles at me and, it, and it's very thoughtful and it, and it has all the right motives, but it is doing awful, awful stuff. So like, 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 like so I wanted to kind of play it. It's not a trick. But 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 it's something a little more subtle than you'd expect in a, in a fantasy novel, maybe. Where like, wait, when did I go? This guy is not who I thought he was, or this guy is not okay. When did I tear away from that character, and why did it take me so long? Like 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 I I, I wanted to turn the mirror on readers and go, well, what, what, why did it take you so long? And, you know? and I do think that when you have all the context, it's a lot easier to justify someone else's decisions, but. Uh, but when you don't have the context, it's also very easy to say, oh, yeah, the, the, clearly they're evil 
or clearly right. they're bad or whatever. But but it's about getting that context that uh, that is you know making cool cool characters. Um, but I I have kept you for a very long time. But I like no, to I like to end this by asking each guest, what's the last thing that you ate that totally blew your mind? Oh man. Okay. Well. Okay. So 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 I'll I'll do two answers. It'll be choose your own adventure. Um, so so uh, uh, I I I got a um, I did Omaha steaks and I and and, and I got a uh, what well, I I didn't know if those would be any good right so but here we're stuck at stuck at home we haven't got out to restaurants for forever uh, well a couple times but that was when all the mandates were up um, and, and 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 so I had I I did their filet mignon like they said like not on the grill but actually on this on the stove top and then in the oven and mm-hmm. and I did it just like perfectly and and it was it was so good and so so so, 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 so that's the last thing i had that that just completely blew my mind and and, and just made me made me super happy and, and i i served some to my daughter uh, who was seven at the time and 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 she just she's my kid like like i could tell she's my kid like like she takes a bite of it and she just closes her eyes and just like focuses on the sensual experience uh the scent the, the delight to the senses that you get off of a, a wonderful uh you know piece of filet mignon right and so, so, so i was like oh my god that's my kid that is my kid right there because she's like this is the best thing ever <laughs> i know i should not have introduced her to filet mignon what was i thinking man i i i love filet you know everybody has the steak cut that they prefer mm-hmm. um the fattier cuts uh kind of make my rheumatoid arthritis spike oh no and so i always feel miserable for like two days afterwards but filet is lean enough that like so it's my it's my definitely my treat meat yes and and i absolutely adore a good filet you know like uh if you if you like making stuff at home uh, look up a recipe for steak au poivre and just okay. do a steak au poivre on your on your stovetop, and it's it's stupidly good if you can nail that right. Oh man, oh I love it. Yes, I well, well then afterwards I, I I I tried the recipe again and like I just tweaked something a little bit and overcooked the friggin' fillets. Oh, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, God, what have I done? It, 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 it's like. You're like each one of those was like twenty bucks. Man. Oh, oh gosh. I, just, I hate that. I just, hey, oh, you know man. what? At least, at least you didn't get an overcooked one from a restaurant for a hundred and twenty. No, that's uh, that, that, very true. Very true. So, so yes, that that that, that blew my mind. So, um, what was the other one? So, so, so the other one was I like I always forget to to eat breakfast, and 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 then I I go I'll, I'll be working and I'll just forget, and then I like turn into a monster because I get low blood sugar, and 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 then I'll you know, tr- make bad choices when, when, when I go into the kitchen. So, 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 let, let, let's see, let's, uh, so, so there's this, this, this is going to sound like a, a product placement. Uh, so there's, there's a company that does these little bre- vegan, like breakfast shakes and all, they do all sorts of vegan food, but I don't, I don't care that much for the, for the rest of the stuff, but they, they have these little vegan breakfast shakes that are, they actually taste amazing. It's like, 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 like you put like vegan in front of things and, me five years ago would have been like, well, that sounds like it tastes like crap. And, <laughs> and, 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 and since then I've, there's, there's a place in Portland, 
Um, oh, I can't remember the, 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 the name of it. So somebody will comment on here. Um, that does like vegan desserts and you're like, yeah, no way those could be good. Right. Like, like that's desserts for people who don't actually like food yeah. <laughs> and, who are very ethical and their you know, their ethics are stronger than, than their taste, taste buds and good for them, you, you know, but, 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 but there's a place that actually has amazing like cakes and frosting and stuff. And if you're lactose intolerant, you go, oh, my God, this is put put this is put cake and and, and, and pies back into my into my world. Thank you, Jesus. So 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 so, um, so, so anyway, th- 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 there are places that do amazing, amazing vegan food. And, and I'm sure all the vegans out there will be like, duh. But 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 it, 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 it surprised me. So so anyway, the place called Splendid Spoon, their little shakes are overpriced. But but uh, I can just grab it and drink it and. It doesn't kill my stomach, and uh, so so that kind of blew my mind that I could enjoy breakfast and feel good about it. I guess very nice, oh, fantastic. <laughs> that was epic fantasy author Brent Weeks. Thanks again to Brent for taking the time to chat. You can find links to Brent's social media and some of his books down in the show notes. You can find me as always at brianmcclellan.com. Special thanks to James Sutter for music and Tom Bishop for production. If you'd like to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash pagebreak or buy my books in ebook, paperback, or audio. You can also get signed copies of my books directly from me on my website store. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.